Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. I'm not saying there should be a lot of dead kids in comics, but what I'm saying is it's actually very rare that you see... There's the cold opener. Podcaster calls for more dead kids in comics. Story at 11. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the second big comics podcast. Starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martinez. Horror knows no bounds, and nothing makes the skin shiver and the soul tremble like a good old where the hell am I type of story. And today we're bringing you a story of Stephen King-esque proportions from Chip Sadarsky and uh, Simon Perez. We're covering the first four issues of the critically acclaimed Image series. Stillwater. Welcome once again. I'm your humble host, Remza W. Martinez, bringing to you the miraculous Mr. Mark Clare. Mark, we're finally doing it. We're finally hitting up my man, Chip. Where the hell am I? What's going on here? What is this? A pot? I'm on a podcast? What's happening? This is my, my own very special Where the Hell Am I story that I go through every single Wednesday when I forget that I have a podcast, not that we record on Wednesdays behind the scenes. It's called aphasia. Oh, it's way too soon. Way too soon. But nonetheless, I am excited for the story. This is one in a a long line of books that I have intended to read, have like in my library on Hoopla for like sometimes years. It seems like for some of these. And then I'm like, Oh, I'll read that the next day, the next day. Well, this is why I have this podcast because this is the podcast is that that finally gets me to take books that I just mean to read someday and actually make me read them. So here we are. But before we get into this, I want everybody to remember to follow us anywhere and everywhere, especially well, besides maybe outside our homes, that might get weird, but you know, I get it if you're into that kind of thing, but mostly I'm referring to social media where everywhere you go, you can find us at second print pod, Twitter at second print pod, Instagram at second print pod. And if you want to support the show and get access to all tons of bonus content, including my current look at the ultimate fantastic four on the show called what Mark missed, where I recently had quite quite the therapy therapy session. Let me just put it that way. As well as of course, Remzo's valiant, Valiant? I don't know why it's Valiant that you would recap Moon Knight, but I'm going to call it Valiant. Valiant recaps of Moon Knight, along with our friend Caleb fans. All of this can be yours for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. I have concluded the business, Remzo. You may now take us wherever you'd like. Well, now we're going into the business of horror. I'm pretty sure I started reading this series as it was coming out in uh, 2020, right before the pandemic. And around this point, my daily monthly poll list, I'm sorry, my my month, not daily monthly, that's a contradiction. My monthly poll list was getting smaller and smaller when it came to recent titles. And I was at a painted visions comic shop in i think it was leesburg virginia 
And one of the cashiers named Funky, who would just go around, that was actually his name, like on his ID, Funky. Um, he, he would go birth around, birth, name, birth name, his Christian name is Funky. Well, anyway, Funky had a habit of going around, and if people didn't know what they wanted, he, was, he would always find them something that would, you know, kind of, you know, quench their thirst for the genre or tone they were going for. He I'm was, picturing Funky basically as like the comic book guy in The Simpsons. He, he's, he's basically like a skinny old hippie who smells like oh, pot, yeah, totally but he, he was, a, he's a, he's a comic book connoisseur. He's a savant. When it comes to this type of stuff, he always knew how to find the right stuff for people. And I was in a bit of a melancholy mood. I'm like, I want something darker, maybe not a superhero book. So he was like, bro, I got the story for you. You like Chip Zdarsky? And I was like, who is Chip Zdarsky? So he went ahead and said, if you like, you know, Stephen King, that type of stuff, it's a horror book, kind of like The Walking Dead in tone. You're going to like this. This guy, Chip, is going to be an all-star. And I picked it up. And after that, I felt like I started seeing Chip Zdarsky everywhere. Um, I quickly fell in love with the series. If you go back and listen to uh, Mark and Remzo's pandemic reading list from two years ago, you'll hear that this is one of the books that I was saying, Hey, you guys got to keep an eye on this because this book is awesome. And this dude, Chip Zdarsky is gonna just freak people out because he's so talented. Episode eight. If you want to verify this story, it, it really happened. And I still know the episode number of our pandemic reading specialist. It's emblazoned in my mind. Still one of our most popular episodes. What's sad is that a lot of those series are still like, you know, trying to catch up from the last dozen issues because of all the printing issues and scheduling uh, errors from the past couple of years, depending on the publisher. That was the episode where I really, I really broke out. You know, the first I said seven episodes, I was, you know, I was to read. Well, I don't know. You, you could say I broke out when I ranted when I defended the drug dealers uh, against Superman. But, you know, I just really let loose because I was ranting on Tom King's Batman run on Jonathan Hickman's everything X-Men and blueprints and flow charts. And yeah, that was when I realized this is the place to just let it flow. Whatever's inside me to let it flow out. And that's what I do every damn week. Yeah. And. When it comes to this type of stuff, I think you have led the tally in most non-superhero books that we've covered on the show. Um, I mean, we've covered The Walking Dead, which is another image book. We, I did two Hellboys. So that's kind of cheating. But yeah, it's I mean, like those are two for one. Yeah, like they're they're superhero, but like not. Really. I just mean cheating doing two can counting it as, oh, as one, yeah. it's really just one character, but two episodes. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, this is a uh, this is the book that kind of brought me out of my funk. Is I was like, are there no good titles anymore? And it showed me that you know th- this isn't just uh, this was a nice reminder that you could still find good non superhero comics on the shelf because sometimes you don't want to see somebody in tights or something. Sometimes you want to pick up a new book and have it remind you of uh, another genre you like. And as you know, I think we've brought up pretty often. I love the horror genre. A lot of my favorite books are horror related on this show. So uh, I'm, I'm glad we finally got into it. Mark, uh, your, your initial impressions. This is exactly what I love about comic books. Just to go on a little sidebar here. And this is why I don't really understand. Well, I guess I understand. They just have an image in their mind of what comics are. But when people say, I'm not into comic books. And I, I, to me, that's like saying, I'm not into movies. Or like, I, you know, like... And, maybe, and some people just aren't into movies. I know people like that. So fair enough. But I, I, hear, I hear I'm not into comic books a lot more than I hear I'm not into movies. And it's because... I mean, probably because a lot of people just hear comics and they think superheroes. And they think, that's not for me. 
But what I love about comics is there's always something to find and something to read. Even if Marvel and DC or your favorite publishers are in a funk and everything sucks, even if your favorite characters uh, are are in a rut, whatever it may be, there's always something because there's just so much. And now, today, more than ever, it's easier to access. You know, usually to find those those certain rare stories, you may have to go hunting them down at a certain comic book shop or find a series uh, back issues at a convention. But at least now, today, whatever you may think of the digital medium, um, it has it has allowed me to read so many more books because I don't have to. And now, like I get hunting down in the comics is also part of the charm too. So there, there's pros and cons to both sides of this, but. I just love that there's always something to read. And it's why really I, comics should be for everyone. And I think the only reason they're not for everyone is because some people just feel like it's a kid's thing for no real good reason. I could totally agree with that. And uh, if there's one thing I could definitely say about this book, it's that you won't find many kids reading it. It, it gets into <laughs> uh, not. gets into some pretty dark areas. This is not like Little Billy's first comic. No. At least it probably shouldn't be. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into Stillwater. Let's do it. We go ahead and start the book. We see an everyday regular office and uh, a woman is walking in through the front door and she's saying, Daniel, Daniel. And we're introduced to our main character, Daniel. He has his headsets on. He's doing stuff at his desk. And uh, obviously, By the way, is that robot at his desk? Oh, my gosh. The robot from Invincible from and some creature from Star Wars, maybe they look familiar. He looks more like the robot from the Iron Giant. Oh, OK. Well, they're, they're actually pretty. Yeah, I guess color color scheme wise. Yeah. So anyway, it's obviously his boss. She's calling him into his office and he's like, OK, like, come on, what's up? So she's like, I tried messaging you, but your messaging is down. Like, why is that? And he's like, well, yeah, I mean, I turned it off. I was tired of being looped in on who's getting a birthday cake and all that, you know, inner office bullshit. And next, you know, she's like, and, and, you know, I, I want to bring this up. This is part of why you're here. You're not really good in the with the others in the office some words that i've been told before um (laughs) i uh and daniel's like look i I know i might not be gung-ho on team exercises and shit but come on like this june issue is ahead of schedule i mean how often has that happened and she's like wait stop i'm not here to talk about your work and that gets really awkward she's like did you shove kevin and we get a panel of daniel just looking at her silently and stoically and he's like Look, I know I shouldn't, but he was being a prick. You know, he was taking credit for Jamie's work on the navigation and it was barely a shove. And then it gets quiet and you get like a zoom out panel, which I love it because it kind of it kind of sets the mood without them having to say anything because you can feel how awkward it is. And, um, you know, Daniel at that point starts kind of receding. He's like, well, I mean, we haven't had a problem since. And she's like, look, that's not the point. You can't assault your coworkers. And he's trying to apologize. And he's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You have to like, you know, put a strike on my record or whatever. Fine. Just, I, I won't fight it. And she's like, no, you're, you're not getting it. This isn't a slap on the wrist thing. This is a zero tolerance policy. And what you did wasn't just wrong. It's illegal. We have to let you go. So at this point, he's just he's freaking out. He's lost his job. If it was illegal, shouldn't shouldn't they say? And also you're under arrest here are the police. It's a progressive office. Oh, OK, they they, they want to be dog friendly and allow people to walk in with pajamas, probably. But, uh, <laughs> you know, at this point, he's just kind of freaking out because he's just been fired. And she's like, look, you, you've never been good here. You're, you're, you're never happy. I mean, you're a good designer, but you always talk about wanting to write more. So, I mean, maybe this is your chance. Maybe you can, you know, make the move toward becoming a writer 
Words I have been told as I was leaving offices. (laughs) 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 Buy my books on Amazon. Um, Anyway, so now we go later that night. We're over at this club and we see Daniel on the sidewalk barfing and his best friend runs out and he's like, yo, Danny, I've got shots lined up and those girls are in. I mean, they're like into us, man. And, you know, Daniel's just not having it. He's like slurring his words and he's puking all over the place. And at this point, you know, his friend is still trying to get him in there. And the bartender's like, uh, listen, you've got to go to the back of the line, man. We can't just like, you know, come in. So his friend walks in, but Daniel's not allowed in. And the guy's like, uh, yeah, you're, you're not allowed in. You've been puking. I mean, come on, don't go back in for shots. And the friend comes out. He's like, oh, come on. He was a gentleman and went outside and puked, man. And the, and the, and the bouncer's like, well, the gentleman can fuck off now. So Daniel, who's been puking because he's obviously been drinking, continues to make another great move. Uh, he yells at the bouncer as he puts his hands on him. He's like, get your goddamn ham- hand off me. So the bouncer gets really close. Dirty ape. His, the bouncer gets Every re- time I hear that. <laughs> the bouncer gets really close to him. And he just says, fuck off. So Daniel punches the guy and the guy doesn't really flinch. He just kind of wipes the blood off his lip. And next thing you know, we turn the page to the next day. Daniel is sleeping on his couch with a giant black eye. And he's just like, what? the what what fucking hit me in there brother (laughs) his friend is on his xbox playing a video game and he's like well the bouncer you know he did that but then a couple of customers got in on it as well and you know worried they'd miss uh their big chance to beat up a guy so at this point you know he's just kind of laughing at his friend's pain um they they uh they get a knock on the door and next thing you know, it's this guy. He, he looks like an old like messenger man from like the 1900s. And he's like, uh, Daniel West, you know, short boy. Yeah, he really cap. does look way out of the century. He, he looks he looks out of out of time because this book takes place in our modern era. Um, so the, the little maybe that was a, you know, maybe a that was a moment of things to come. Maybe, maybe old timey look of this guy. So the old timey messenger motherfucker walks over and he's like, Daniel West. And Daniel's like, oh, yeah, who, who's this? And the guy's like, here you go. And Daniel's like, uh, am I being summoned? And the little messenger motherfucker's like, nothing of the sort. Simply a letter that required a specific timeline for delivery. Good day, Mr. West. Feel better soon. I, I just imagined him having that voice. Yes, that, that was that was exact, almost exactly how I pictured it. Yeah. So next, you know, he walks in and he opens up this letter and he's just like, looking at it and you know next you know we zoom in on his eyes and his eyes get really wide you know as wide as a black eye can get on one eye so next you know he looks at his friend and he's like uh what are you up to next week so now we see them on the road a week later and what they have to do is they have to go to a town called Stillwater. His friend is reading the letter, and the letter says, At the law offices of Joel Peterson in the town of Stillwater on May 15th, 2019, blah, 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 to receive an undisclosed sum from the estate of Margaret Smith, your great-grand-aunt. And Daniel, who's driving, is like, that. this all makes, like, zero sense. And his friend is like, it's crazy. Like, maybe you'll have to spend another night in a haunted house to get it. I mean, you have no idea what this is all about, huh? And Daniel's like, I told I I told you none. And since mom and dad aren't around anymore, I've got like no one to ask. But, you know, great grand aunt sounds wildly fake. So, you know, they're they're talking about how this could be an advance, how this could be an adventure, how this could be something crazy. So what they do is they go ahead and pull over to this. um 
uh, this gas station. And as uh, his friend is filling up the car, Daniel goes, I'm sorry, as Daniel's filling up the car, his friend goes inside. At this point, they're like, you know, the GPS isn't really working out. This place seems like it's not even on the map. So they go. So he goes over to check out. And the woman is just like, hey, and I'm sorry. And his friend is just like, hey, is there uh, anywhere to eat on the way to Stillwater? And the woman at the cash register is like, what? And he's like, Stillwater, you know, hour west of here. You don't know it. And she's like, nope. And he's some WandaVision vibes here getting kind of weird. And he's like, well, you know, it's like an hour West. It's like Westview when they didn't nobody heard of Westview. True. So basically she has no clue where this place is and he looks like he's crazy. So, uh, you know, they, they get back on the road and they're, um, and they're driving and they don't even see like the name on the signs for local towns. And next, you know, his friend's phone starts dying and it it just seems like really weird. It's like now they're in a dead zone and they're driving through the woods when all of a sudden they get pulled over, which when you're in the South, you don't want to get pulled over in the middle of the woods. Damn trouble. So Dan, Daniel's like, shit, 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 shit. And his friend is like, shit, 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 shit. And next thing you know, the cop comes over, license and registration. And his friend quickly jumps in. He's like, uh, were we speeding, officer? And the cop is like, I'll ask the questions. Where are you headed, boys? And Daniel says, Stillwater. The cop just is silent. And uh, then he starts asking his questions. He's like, what brings you here? And Daniel's like, well, you know, it's a, it's a legal matter. And the cop is like, legal? And Daniel basically tells him, listen, I'm here because of a deceased relative and stuff. So, like, is there a problem? Can we go now? And the cop at this point kind of gives up the act. He's like, well, Stillwater doesn't get a lot of visitors. Quiet town, a good town. So you boys best behave or (laughs) listen to me. If I'm being honest, this is the first time I've pulled somebody over in a year. And at this point, Daniel and his friend are kind of... Um, you know, relaxed a bit, but they're still kind of freaked out. And the cop is like, listen, didn't mean to come off so intimidating, but don't get a lot of chances to be bad cop. You know, tell you what, I'll let you off without a ticket, which by the way, didn't tell him why he got pulled over to begin with. Yeah. I was just going to say, what did they even do? Yeah. What? <laughs> they were wrong in the wrong place. Uh, as a cop once told me, um, tell you what, I'll let you off without a ticket. Enjoy your time in town, boys. But, you know, just a heads up, it's an old fashioned place. Curfew kicks in at 8 p.m. Got it? And they're like, got oh it. So the cop walks back. The last and- thing you want to hear before going on a trip with your friend to some random town, because the one solace is you're like, well, maybe while he does this dumb shit, I can go get into some fun. But apparently not. Not past 8 p.m. So, um, you know, they're they're driving into town and it looks like. I'm trying to remember. I don't know if it was Jake Gyllenhaal or Tobey Maguire. Pleasantville? That's Tobey Maguire. Was was the name of the movie Pleasantville? Yes. Where they get stuck in like that 1950s TV show? Correct. With Reese Witherspoon, I think, too? Yeah. So this is Pleasantville... But like mixed with that's continuity because I just told Remzo Reese Witherspoon's name just last week. There yeah, you go. Yeah. Learn, you learn new things every every week here. Reese Witherspoon. Anyway, they go into town. It's a mix between like Pleasantville and Children of the Corn because it also looks a little abandoned. You see some dude just kind of like hanging out inside of a building, and there's not really anyone there. And there's like a pack of random dogs like walking through the street. I love the pack of seemingly tiny dogs, too. They're all like, it's like a pack of pugs. Yeah, so they they end up pulling over, and they go over to this diner, 
And uh, Daniel walks over to the waitress and he's like, yeah, you know, this Joel Peterson guy, he's a lawyer that's supposed to be on Grant Street. I don't see a Grant Street or anything. So as he's trying to figure out, like, you know, why why can't I get directions? Why is everything so hard to figure out here? His friend walks over to a booth and immediately notices something out the window. He pulls his phone to actually start recording it when then he's like, "Uh, something's going on. And this is actually the first time, ironically, because I had to double check this. We learn his friend's name now it's like you know 20 pages in and his friend's name is tony so tony is um you know looking at something that really shocks him out the window so daniel's like come on tony you want to get some food tony and tony just takes off his glasses he puts down his phone and he runs outside and next thing you know he's like uh those kids up there on the roof and what you see is you see two kids on the roof of a building across the street fighting each other and Tony's freaking out. He's like, one of those kids could freaking die. It looks like a serious altercation. So next thing you know, Tony runs out and he's like, hey, hey, it's not safe. Get down from there. So the kids stop fighting. Then the one kid pushes the other kid off the freaking roof. And he lands on the freaking road dead. Like this kid is freaking dead. I don't want to forget to mention this. I just got to mention how much I love the the art here by Ramon Perez, but particularly the color change in it's like, it's like so what signifies that, Oh, we're in a horror book now. If you didn't know that already. And it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's basically the same effect as you would get when the scary music comes on when the creepy music comes in, um, as you probably would around this point in the actual scary movie, were this a movie, uh, you know, you see the kids looking down at them in like a silhouette and then suddenly everything turns like, like this orangey yellowish color for just that one panel where you see the kid pushing the other kid off. And to me, that's like where I felt the horror sink in and that change in color just for that one panel. And then the next one that's the next panel and the next page that shows uh, Daniel's shock. I, I think that it's just, it's just such a, it's just a small thing, but such uh it's so effective. Just changing that mere one little thing of changing that color for those two panels really conveyed the horror of it to me. Yeah. And, and what's crazier is how they're really able to express the fear in the characters faces. I always really like it when they can make them look more than just, you know, plain faced and everything, because mm-hmm. the way that um, Daniel and Tony look as this kid is laying dead on the street is just freaky. But what's crazier is, is they zoom in on the kid's face and, and there's actually a lot of, I'm not going to say it's regulation in the comic book industry, but there's a lot of self-censorship to a degree because of what's, you know, tasteful for certain comics. You don't often see dead kids in comics. I'm not saying there should be a lot of dead kids in comics, but what I'm saying is it's actually very rare that you see. There's the cold opener. Um, Podcaster calls for more dead kids in comics. Story at 11. So, I mean, you just like this actually took me back because I'm like, I don't think I've actually seen like a dead child in a comic. But here you actually not only see his body just laid out on the on the freaking road, but they actually zoom in on his face, but not without intention. Because the next page you see the kid who's dead. He turns his eyes to Daniel (laughs) and it's just freaking. I think I literally jumped when I was reading this. Like it's, (laughs) it's exorcist level, like shit. Like what the fuck did that, did that kid just do? So Daniel freaks out as somebody would, if a dead person just suddenly came back to life and he's like, Holy shit. Holy shit. He's alive. Somebody get help. But all the locals are just like ignoring him. So all the locals that are walking by are just not doing anything. So Daniel's like, come on, someone he's dying. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? So 
next thing you know, he's, he's picks him up and he's like, come on, we, we got to take him to a doctor. And he's just horrified how like nobody's helping him. But eventually he's one woman. What do you think is actually the scarier horror element? The kid, the kid being like opening his eyes after being on the ground like that, or a, a, a population surrounding him that is just completely ambivalent to what just happened. They're both horrifying. I got to say the kid looking back at him though. I, I mean, maybe because he's literally opens his eyes like that, but conceptually conceptually the town just ignoring it like nothing happened is freaking horrifying yeah yeah and how they were able to layer both things on top of each other with the artwork in here is people are just walking by not even faced (laughs) as daniel and tony are freaking out uh it's just it's just so good so they go ahead and uh bring him inside and the doctor comes out and he's like ah please stop the shouting what's the big emergency so they plop the kid there and the doctor's like oh um Huh. If this was a movie and he was in and if he wasn't dead, this doctor would be uh, Uncle Phil from Fresh Friends. <laughs> but it's not. And he is. So. So. So here's what's more fucked up. He Daniel puts him on like the little stretcher bed and the doctor before he even walks over, who's still not phased. Uh, he walks over right beside the kid and the kid gets up. The kid looks pissed. And next more, thing you know, yeah, more annoyed than anything else. Yeah. And next thing you know, he runs the fuck out. So Tony and Daniel look at each other. Then they look at the doctor and the doctor just looks at them and he's like, get in your car and go, please. You have to trust me. This will not end well. Otherwise, this was the most horrifying part. Like of, of all those yeah, things, it's well, like, yeah. what the, the hell? The doctor not giving a shit, really. And then just warning them, issuing nothing but a warning, no medical attention, just a warning. Yeah, so next thing you know, Daniel like rushes out as the doctor's like, I can't protect you. No one can. So he runs out and immediately this dude across the street pulls out a hose and where the kid fell and there was blood everywhere, he starts hosing it off. And next thing you know, Daniel's like, where is he? And the guy's like, excuse me. And Daniel's like, the kid, the kid whose blood you're washing away, who ran away like nothing happened. Where is he? And next thing you know, the cop comes by. And he's like, enough's enough. I knew you'd be trouble. Should have trusted my gut. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? And next thing you know, he's like, dude, dude, you're right. What, what's, what's going on? So the, the cop starts trying to arrest him. And as he goes ahead and tries to you know, get his hands on him, Daniel lashes out. And he's like, don't touch me. So the cop goes ahead and just starts beating the shit out of him for these, like, you know, of... Uh, there's no captions or anything. It's just him punching the shit out of Daniel. Quite the battle. Daniel even gets another kick in. This is like a pretty good. Uh, yeah, like it's an actual fight. But like, you know, Daniel's still not doing great. But what's horrifying is as Tony's trying to get in um, the the locals start like holding Tony back. And next, thing you know, here's what's crazy. The guy goes ahead and uh, just starts like slamming daniel's face into the side of his car and knocks him the fuck out and then here's what's really screwed up the same kid who he was trying to save earlier is sitting back on the rooftop of the building he was tossed off off of staring at him and smile i think he's smiling too it's kind of hard to tell in the last panel but uh man this is like i keep putting it into as if it were a movie, because it feels like a movie. You know, it's just, and this is, man, this is like, this is like in game. Okay. If you don't want Game of Thrones spoilers, then stop this podcast and just go forward 30 seconds in case you're someone who wants to watch that show and doesn't want to be spoiled. But about seven episodes in that show, the main character who you think the thing is going to be out about dies. And I think that's the, if this were a movie, you would be thinking, oh my God, they're killing him. This is what's going to happen. And it's just, 
this 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 is such a mindfuck. I, I love this. Yeah. So what ends up happening is uh, the locals go ahead and tie up Daniel and Tony, and they toss them into the back of a truck, and they drive them out into the middle of the woods. And some time has passed because now it's really dark. So Tony's freaking out. He he's starting to wake up, and Daniel's waking up, and he's like. Daniel, what, what are we going to do? They're going to, like, kill us, right? There's no way they'll, I mean, they're, they're, what's, what's going to happen? Daniel? Daniel? Oh, God. They're stopping. So next thing you know, what they start is a fire. It's a giant bonfire. And Daniel's just screaming, I'll, I'll fucking, I'll fucking kill you. The locals are there. The cop is there. And the cop is like, geez, whatever you say. But here's this thing, city shit. You can't kill me. You can't kill any of us. I mean, you can out here, but past that fence and the borders of Stillwater, my home, nobody dies. And I intend to keep it that way. So he cocks his gun, sticks it right between Tony's eyes, and fucking shoots him. And they don't hold anything back. Yeah, no, this is this is an exploding face. <laughs> yeah, like he, he they, it's like Glenn from The Walking Dead. His brains are everywhere. So Daniel's just like speechless. He's like, what the what the fuck? And the cop is like, all bets are off. And every minute I'm out here is another minute of my life. So you'll forgive me if I cut to the chase. But next thing you know, another truck pulls up and you see this person running out screaming, wait, as they're dragging Tony's body off into the fire. And uh, you see this woman running out and she's like, wait, wait. And she gets on her knees and she puts her hands around Daniel's face. And she's like, my boy, you're back. You're back. And that's technically the end of issue one. Weird and wild stuff, man. Weird and wild stuff. Now, as a fan of, well, like Stephen King, actual Stephen King, his horror, his horror writing, and also that type of genre of film, like, you know, like Children of the Corn. I think Children of the Corn is is based off a Stephen King book. I I believe I could be wrong. Yeah, I I think so. I'm making that up. I believe, I believe so though. Uh, definitely has that vibe and they really capture the vibe of you don't really know even why something is scary yet which is something that some of the best horror movies especially the, the Stephen King type films do well they just give you the vibe of something feels off here without you without actually showing you anything off until until eventually I mean and, and this they hit you pretty hard with it right away uh, but even before the kid falls and we see him open his eyes you still feel like okay even just the element of violence like uh, Daniel's violence um, even we haven't seen how that ties into the story yet really but that does lay the groundwork for this is this is a scary there, there's some serious things happening here so we take we take his violence that we see so referenced so many times even in the first like 10 pages and then we transport that into this creepy setting this creepy town and it just did a great job of really laying the groundwork for all right we are we are in a stephen king uh novel or movie or whatever you want to call it yeah and i mean this is one of the best first issues of a series i've read in many years it it gives you everything you kind of need to know and it hooks you with that cliffhanger so now we're on to issue two. We have a flashback back to 1990, and we hear this woman. Uh, she's in her house with her two kids, and she's like, oh, God, I'm, we're going to be late. Galen, Galen. And the kid's like, what? And she's like, what? why aren't you with Tommy? Where, where is he? We've got to go. You've got you've to go home. Your grandpa's probably worried sick. And the kid is like, nah, he's not. And Tommy's fine, just playing in the backyard. And next thing you know, she looks out. She's like, wait, what? Oh, my God. And what you see is a freaking baby sitting in front of a wolf. That's not good. 
So she runs out and she's like, Tommy, Tommy, what are you doing? You know, you can't be alone out here. It's dangerous. What if the wolf grabbed you? Oh, we have to get ready. It's Sheriff Dave's birthday. Come on. And the kid is like, no, mother, I think I'm perfectly happy here. Aren't you? And the kid looks at her. And this is what gives me that Children of the Corn vibe. It's like, why is that baby talking so adult-like? So adult-like, yeah. And even looks like almost like almost like an adult in the baby's body, you know? A creepy adult with holding a headless doll in a baby's body. Yeah. So now the next page takes us back. It's the next day. We see Daniel's tied to a chair in some office. And uh, there's this judge sitting in front of him. And he's like, I'm sure you've got questions, but like, where are you? What is this town? Why didn't that boy die? But right now, the only question you should have is who's this? All reasonable questions. <laughs> who's this guy? Because the answer to that one is important. I'm your fate. So then we get to the next page. We see some kid running and jumping across the rooftops. Who's the guy that plays General Thunderbolt Ross? Oh, he just died. William Hurt. This William is, Hurt. I picture William Hurt in this, this movie, would be which a, also now can't. All of my, I only cast dead people. If you can, if you can. I pictured <laughs> Sam Elliott in this role. Or Sam Elliott. Okay, I can see they that. They both yeah, played Thunderbolt Ross at different times. So, uh, so mm-hmm. anyway, we go on to the next page, and we see these two kids running across the rooftops. One of them is the kid who Daniel tried saving in the first issue. And what they have and um, what they have is a pair of binoculars because they're trying to see what's going on. And um, next thing you know, the one kid is like, what do you think he'll decide? And the kid is like, what well, he always does. And we hear a voice from the back, and it says, and what's that, Galen? And we see this one uh, redhead sheriff, and the kids are going to freak out. And uh, they're like, uh, oh, it's it's not what you think. We're not up here spying on people. And she's like, more rooftop horseplay, more daredevil stunts. Uh, it's refreshing getting some honesty out of you. As the one kid is like, oh, we're actually just here spying on Judge Taylor. So they're like, listen, you, you got to leave. So she goes ahead and uh, tells the kids to, you know, leave and before that happens the one the one kid with the binoculars is threatening to fall off but she goes ahead and i'm sorry like fall backwards off the rooftop to make another scene but she goes ahead and grabs them and she's like you saw them coming to town from up here you saw and then you still fell you're old enough not to have mischief in your eyes but there's something else that i sure don't like i don't know what you're up to galen but i'm gonna find out so now we realize that kid was the kid was the was the baby from from the flashbacks earlier so so now we're back at the police station and we see that galen galen was not the baby galen was the other kid the kid in the fridge oh the i thought that was tommy same age i thought that was tommy no tommy's the kid okay so so the kid is galen okay yeah because he hasn't aged right so now we're back at the at the police station the kid is well i mean yeah yeah the kid is our main character so we're, we're back at the police station and the one cop is like, what the fuck are you up to, girl? And you see this other cop is like, hey, leave her alone, Ted. So now we know his name is Ted. And Ted is like, shut up, Quentin. What's the plan here? You expect me to believe that city shit is your son? Nah. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency or time of day. You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're trying to stop me from doing what's right. What is it? That, that's it, isn't it? You've never given a shit about protecting this town. And this woman is just like completely ignoring him. She wants nothing to do with him. So next thing you know, he like lunges at her, choking her. And he's like, yo, you talk, you fucker. And, you know, you hear um, uh, uh, the, the one guy, Quentin, he's like, come on, don't do that. And he's like, shut up, Quentin. This piece of trash thinks she can get in the way of me doing my job. She's got another thing. And next thing you know, he gets shot from the back of the fucking head. And it turns out to be the sheriff in this town. Like what might be like a shove or a, a, a shouting match, maybe cursing at someone that's all just doing things that would kill people in this town. Cause everyone knows they're not going to die. So whatever, I'll just shoot this guy in the neck. I'll just punch this girl in the, in the stomach. So she's the sheriff is all mad because he went ahead and killed an outsider without consulting her or the judge. He took justice into his own hands. So he's coming back to life after getting shot in the back of the head. And next thing you know, the sheriff walks over to the woman and she's like, you, Ted's an asshole, but you still got some answers. You still have you have, you still have some you still have some stuff to answer for, uh, Laura. So now we know the woman's name is Laura. And the sheriff is like, is this guy your son? The math works. But, um, you know, if this is something you planned, I mean, if you just walked him into a death sentence, the judge will kill him. And that's what he does. So the woman um, uh, starts like whispering something and the text actually gets really, really small. Like she's whispering and the sheriff's like, what'd you say? And uh, she said, no, he fucking won't. And she's like, Laura, he and she she cuts her off and she's like, if he does, I'll kill the judge. So what we know is that some shit's getting real. Talk about small town politics, man. So basically, so basically what's happening now is that the judge doesn't need a courtroom or anything. We're back in his office and he's basically, you know, just kind of, you know, throwing these, uh, the, the, I'm going to call them like, you know, philandering charges because it's like, yeah, he got into a fight and all this other stuff, but you're missing the context of somehow that kid died and he came back. And then you obviously know that the cop murdered my friend and threw his body in a freaking bonfire so he's basically really trying to figure out like what brought you here why are you here and um the the judge stops talking and next you know daniel looks up and he's like you're a bunch of blades and the judge is like uh i don't know what you're talking about and daniel's like blade wesley snipes 1998 it's all i could think of (laughs) last night i just laid in the cell crying tony dead a nightmare but then i woke up today and i was still in the cell tony was still dead i was probably next but all i could think of was blade this town is full (laughs) of vampires who were walking around during the day i love that movie as a kid but it doesn't make sense nothing makes sense now so that's what i've ended (laughs) up Judge Hurt just stares at him like, you fucking idiot. And, and next thing you know, Daniel's like, you're just a bunch of fucking blades and you're going to kill me. And the judge is still just staring at him. And they just, for a whole panel, he just like walks around the room trying to figure out what's going on. And then he walks towards a map and the judge is like, this is a special town. I don't know what a blade is. <laughs> 
but I can say with certainty that we're not vampires. This is a good town, a good people, and as long as you're within our borders, the borders planted by God, you cannot die, you cannot age, you heal. And this is our town's business, but it comes with a blessing that requires vigilance. God intended for our citizens to receive this gift, this Eden, and if others found out, well, it wouldn't be Eden for long, would it? So, our rules here are strict, yes, but necessary. Every citizen of Stillwater receives the gift of eternal life. Every outsider who discovers it meets God. And at this point, you know, they all kind of know that... That means uh, that means they kill them, by the yeah, way. That means they kill them. Following. So, at this point, because everyone now knows that, this, that Daniel is Laura's son, the judge is basically, um, you know... At a kind of a predicament here. And he's like, if it's true, if you're a son of Stillwater, you're a citizen and an outsider. Tricky, tricky, but that's why I'm the judge, you see, to unravel those knots. Do you live as a citizen or die as an outsider? Someone will have to be punished. So they go ahead and toss him back in the cell. But who's in the cell next to him? Freaking, um, what's his name? <laughs> the cop? Yeah, I forget his name already. But. What's the cops? Yeah, he, he his name is forgettable. Bad cop. He's 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 yeah. still like bleeding. Like his face is still like fusing back together, and he's just like growling. I think it's Charlie. Yeah. He, well, bad cop. He's like growling at Daniel in the next cell. He's like, "You're fucking dead. You hear his me, you little shit? <laughs> You're fucking dead." Oh, Ted. His name is Ted. So the sheriff comes over. She's like, "God, Ted. You can't even hint. He was. Uh, you can't even." You can't even take a hint when the bullet's still in your face. All right, buddy, time, uh, it's time. So Daniel's like, it's time for what? And she's like, it's time for some fresh air. So she's walking him out, and she's like, look, that judge, he's clearly crazy. I don't know if that's even, well, evident in this town like this, but the judge is the judge, and he's acquired a taste. You know, he's always done the right by, he's always done right by me, and he's always done right by this town. But you caught up, but you're caught up in things you weren't supposed to. So for that, I'm sorry. But it's his decision. So time for a town meeting. And what we see is a town walking towards like the town center where they've got like this giant uh, veranda where they're going to go ahead and basically all decide through democracy whether or not this guy should go ahead and live because he's Lauren. uh, He's uh, Laura Quinn's son or if they're going to kill him like an outsider. Yeah. Immigration issues are, are I'm telling you, they're complicated. I've been dealing with them for a while. So what we basically see is that. um her uh, and, and you see a flashback sequence starting here. Her crime was far in the past, so there is some leniency I'm willing to provide. The edge isn't ready for her, and what you see is that they're basically when she was a child, they basically like threw her in this giant open grave, and they were gonna like bury her alive. And at this point, isn't that now? It's happening now. Oh, that's happening now. Oh yeah, yeah that is happening now. Shit. Okay, they have a color change. Well, I should have seen your book. I no, I, I, I got confused by the color change because it goes back to that really yeah. bright orange hue. So what we ba- yeah, the bright is the flashback. Yeah. So basically, I mean, the bright is the present. present yeah. The other one so what you see is that they all think that this conspiracy by Lauren. So what they basically do is they push her into this open grave, and at this point, uh, what you see is this flashback of this sheriff-looking guy who has a baby on his back, and what you're meant to believe is that that baby is Daniel who was taken out at some point and what they end up doing is they just end up like burying her because they're like listen we're 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 gonna deal with you in the moment but first we're gonna deal with her what you basically discovered also is that 
um, Daniel West is not Daniel's real name. As stuff starts kind of unraveling, what you learn is that his name is Tommy Quinn. So that baby at the beginning of this issue that was staring at the wolf and everything is actually Daniel, whose name is Tommy. And he's actually known that kid that fell off the roof since he was a baby. Yeah. But probably didn't realize it was because he doesn't remember that. Crazy shit. So as they're burying his mom alive, um, they're also oh, sentencing him. I can't him. think of a worse way. I, I mean, it's it's one of the worst ways I can think to die anyway, just getting buried alive and die. But to not die buried alive might might be a worse fate as just like in that immortal hulk when hulk ripped off that guy that radioactive dude's uh arms and legs and just buried him horrifying <laughs> shit just just shivers yeah which is also a horror book and not coincidentally that people see this kind of fate so um the judge is sentencing tommy and he's like you're a citizen of stillwater with all the rights and life that entails it we've only granted this twice in our long history now it's three you're home you've inherited eden daniel so they're gonna call him daniel and uh what you see is a full page of basically what his mother sees as the last like little glimmer of light through the dirt is passing through and you see the judge saying welcome to stillwater and that ends issue two wild I'm digging shit it. i'm digging it that's my review I'm digging, I'm digging it it's the in-depth analysis you guys pay for no but i'm, I'm really am they really do a good job of conveying like i said that vibe that as things get actually scarier like you you maintain the creepy vibe in the background but now we add more and more elements that are just horrifying like i mean i i just i love the scene where the cop the ba- asshole cop is in the uh, bad cop is laying in the you know the the cell next to him just with his jaw hanging out trying to and i just again i always i'm trying to keep transporting myself to seeing this visual in a movie and how much maybe more horrifying that is but because this feels so much like a movie i think my brain just just creates that the motion for me and makes it just feel as scary as it's trying to convey in print form which just goes um you know it just speaks volumes about not just the writing here from from uh, chip Zdarsky, but the art from ramon perez so anyway we start issue three and what we basically find is that every night daniel tries to escape and what ends up happening uh the cop ted and his little militia go out and they go and like shoot him and then they drag him in the back of a truck and they take him back he can't escape and he's been doing this for a long while so eventually he just you know he's like i've got to figure out something else so one day he wakes up and he goes to the doctor's office same doctor that didn't really want to do anything a few days prior and he's like hey doctor uh i i need some help and he's like no you don't he's like i've been shot i died the bullet went clean through me. <laughs> I need a doctor's help. So, you know, the doctor's just like, I don't want to deal with this. Um, I'm not sure how much to tell you. And as they're walking out, um, Daniel's like, everything. Can you start with everything? And, you know, the doctor's like, if the judge or sheriff haven't told you anything, I'm pretty sure it's not my place to do so. So Daniel's like, if I can't ask an elderly black man and with a white beard and a sweater, then who can I ask to give, to give it to me straight? That's what Daniel's thinking. Yeah. And Daniel's like, listen, they killed my friends. Apparently my mom is alive, but she's buried. And I'm somehow like now I can't die. You got to start telling me shit. So the doctor's like, look, I can't answer these questions. There are consequences here for me talking to you. That much you already know. But I'm, I'm a doctor. So your health falls under my jurisdiction. Here's what I can tell you. You can't die when you're inside the town. You heal amazingly quick. I've seen people regenerate entire bodies from just ahead like some Wolverine shit. 
Um, I've studied it for decades and I still can't make sense of it. No one can. The science of it, how you could even find the energy to create mass that quickly. And it's not just people or anything. It's anything inside the town, anything with life. And what he's what you see is he pulls off an ear of corn and immediately the corn just shoots back up from the from the stem. And he's like, of course, there are complications like, you know, fires don't go out naturally if the fuel is still rooted. And, uh, you know, we learned that the hard way, but don't need to eat like we can still enjoy food, but it creates some complications. And what you're basically what you could basically assume is that, you know, the food like regenerates inside of them. And uh, he's basically continuing to walk him through all the stuff. And he's like, look, there's a party tonight at the house behind the library where the townspeople meet. They don't trust you. Uh, We we cannot gloss over how they. So one thing he says right after that is how they, you know, it's complicated because you can't kill cows or whatever. So they don't actually kill the cows when they want to eat meat. They just slice parts of the living cow off and then use that for meat, which the correct, the cow who has now been tortured by having its limb or parts of its body cut off, regenerates that same meat, that same body part only to have it happen again, again for what I presume is the rest of its eternal life. That is fucking horrifying. (laughs) That is the, maybe the most horrifying thing I've seen in this book so far. You'll never absolutely horrifying. You'll never, you you never thought you'd be having a sponsored ad by PETA in the middle of this. It's (laughs) fucked up. Like in, in many ways, shapes or form. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. But uh, oh, at this point, they gave me the. It's so depraved that it gave me the chills. But I think that's it. Really conveys like, look, these people have been living in this town with these rules that we're going to figure out about and right coming up here. But it, for so long that stuff like this that is just disgusting and horrifying and shocking doesn't. You know, he can say the stuff with such calm, just like the same doctor could see this kid come in after he fell off the roof with his like neck snapped and would be totally calm about it because to them this is just life. Yeah, so basically the doctors invited uh, Daniel to the party tonight. Meanwhile, what we see is that everyone is still basically spying on him. You've got a woman in the truck with a pair of binoculars. You've got um, Ted the cop standing on a a rooftop uh, spying on everyone else, and he ends up pulling out a thermos full of coffee. And he's like, listen, I've got my eye on him, as he's talking to his uh, informant in the truck. And next thing you know, the kid Galen uh, winds up out of nowhere on the rooftop, and he's like, why do you do that? And Ted's like, Jesus, Galen, what the fuck? Do you live on rooftops now? And Galen's like, I just like watching people, being above them instead of being below them, which is just a weird-ass thing to say. And uh, I I just also want to mention, Galen's face is never the same. Each time we see him, and I've noticed this with a few other characters, their faces always look like really, really different. There's like really no consistency. It's just something that bugs me about the art. But uh, anyway, Gal- yeah. Galen is like, yeah. I thought it was intentional at first, just the way like because I thought the faces looked weird sometimes, but I thought it was maybe like something to do with like because they said their minds are still like aging. So like I didn't know if like maybe their brains grow and then their but their head looks too big on a small body. Even Daniel's face in the first issue changes a few times. And like at some points he looks like Keanu Reeves. At some points he doesn't. And it's yeah. like, I don't yeah. I- I think it is an inconsistency more than more than anything else. Yeah. So Galen is like, why do you drink that? And Ted's like, what coffee? And he's like, yes, it doesn't. It doesn't wake you up like it used to. You don't have addictions anymore. And Ted is like, kid, you were never old enough to have things that were just habits before. 
things that make you happy. Well, just uh, you, you just want something to feel like nothing's changed, especially when nothing changes. Like I said, you probably don't get it. There's comfort in being who you were, who you always were. And, you know, you have this like soft moment. And as Ted is kind of, you know, opening a little bit of himself up and Galen's like, so does that mean you were always a controlling dick who thought he could run the town before the day? And there's just this silent panel where they're just staring at each other. And next thing you know, Ted freaking backhands Galen off the fucking rooftop. (laughs) This is my favorite scene and probably this is probably my top five favorite scenes in all of comics. It's horrifying and hilarious at the exact same time. Yeah. It's it's fucked up, but I mean, you would get to this point in the town where you're like you're mad at someone and you're sick of them, so you just push them off the roof because it's like that's what that's how you guys get back at each other nowadays. Instead of yelling at each other or calling each other names or maybe even in an extreme case in real life, punching someone in the face, oh, you just throw them off the roof because whatever, it'll be fine. So anyway, um, what ends up happening is they're at the party and everyone is just at this house drinking, having a good time. Then Daniel shows up and everyone gets a little bit awkward and the mayor goes over to the sheriff and they're like, are you sure he's here? And she's like, well, he's a citizen. He could be here if he wants. So the doctor's just going around, um, you know, introducing him to people. But then here's where things get kind of weird. You see this giant like football player looking older guy and he's like, ah, today's a good enough day to die as any, huh? And um, this old woman is like, Jedediah, this is serious now, please. And what you begin to realize is this isn't just some regular party. It's a death day. So the doctor comes over and he's like, happy death day, my friend. And the guy is like, oh, doc, you bought me the present and everything. And next, you know, Daniel's like trying to figure out what's going on. And basically what this party is, is it's where they're actually going to permanently try and kill somebody. So the doctor pulls out a book and he's like, part of my duties is to ensure that the system outside our own doesn't notice anything peculiar. I'm in charge of determining the day you die so we can properly file death certificates when your time would naturally be up. I schedule the deaths, our rebirths, process paperwork, and with the appropriate government authorities, these parties, well, they're they're not my idea, but, uh, you know, birthdays no longer seem important, and a death day only comes around once in a lifetime, so people have turned them into a thing. So basically, they're not really dying, but to make things look normal so the outside world doesn't get too suspicious is they're basically illegally dying which I, I wonder how taxes and everything works but i guess it's the day they fake yeah that's a good question how all the money stuff works with all this yeah because like, then you i guess you don't have to file tax returns anymore that's nice yeah so fan of that so basically um what ends up happening is uh the next day daniel wakes up and he he just is like listen i i gotta I got to go save my mother. So he's walking across town and the cop is still staring at him and the sheriff is still staring at him. But what he ends up doing is he ends up getting the help of somebody else in town to basically go dig up his mother. Basically her sentence wasn't permanent. It was just temporary. So they dig up his mother and they pull her out and immediately she comes back to life and she gives him a hug. Yeah, I think because I guess the idea is that you know, regular jail is where you go and you lose all these decades of your life. But that doesn't have that much meaning here, losing decades of your life. So they do something just absolutely horrifying and fucking bury you for as long as your sentence would be. Because I guess, which is way worse than that. I mean, they could 
because they do they do kill this Tony guy in the beginning. So they can kill people if they take them out of the town. And maybe that'll become a key to the story later, because that would also be the only way that you could kill people in this town is if you get them out of town. So. Yeah. So so the issue ends with uh, this news report showing that Tony is dead and that, well, he's gone missing, but people are wondering whether or not he's dead or not because he's been gone for so long. And he was a you know, he was a rich guy. He built an app, got famous, that type of thing. So now now we're starting to see the rising conflict. So we start with issue two. It's another flashback to uh, Laura. And what ends up happening is she's, uh, you know, she's trying to feed Tommy, but she's got a bunch of dishes everywhere and she's going to go ahead and, you know, cut up something for him. But she accidentally cuts herself. And what she notices is that the cut ends up immediately healing. So she's like, what the fuck? So now we're back in 1986. And what you see is that the town, everyone that you see now back then is still there. And what they have is a town meeting. Basically, long story short, because it goes on for a couple pages, you're starting to realize is that something's not right. It's affecting everyone in this town. They don't want the feds getting involved because weirder shit could happen. So they're just kind of dealing with it. And, um, you know, four years later, what you see is that. Um, they're uh, having that town. They're, they're having another town meeting, and what ends up happening is that uh, you see the judge is basically uh, sentencing somebody to to some time because what he did was he sent mail out of town, and this guy is like, "Come on, man! Like it was my mother. She's getting older." And I thought, and the judge is like, "But a birthday card with an invitation to the town—it's a serious crime." So basically, now what they're really trying to do is they're really trying to isolate the town. Nobody on the outside can know what happens, and nobody on the inside can reach out. So what ends up happening is that he he gets sentenced. Uh, meanwhile, what you see is that this one cop named Michael, uh, he goes ahead and goes into the judge's office afterwards. And he's like, listen, I think we need to like, you know, revisit the Achilles laws and the Achilles laws are basically the new laws that are in the town to basically create this new system. Remzo, what can you tell me about Achilles? Do you know Achilles? Yeah, Achilles was the Trojan, I'm sorry, he was the Greek soldier who was led to go pillage Troy, and during the siege of Troy, he was shot with a poison arrow to the ankle, killing him. And because he was dipped in the river Styx by Zeus, uh, he was initially thought to be invincible, but because of how Zeus held him, the only vulnerable parts of him were his heels. Therefore, he got shot in the heel, he died. Thus, Achilles' heel. Yes, and that's where our Achilles tendon comes from. Back to our regular programming. That was our science break. So, so basically, this sheriff, Michael, is like, listen, like we, we have to change this because things aren't getting any better and the people are going to start getting more frustrated. And we, all, we, we know that we can't just hold on to this forever. But the judge is just like, no, nah, this, this ain't happening. This is how it's going to be forever. So what ends up happening is um, Michael... Michael uh, goes to Lauren's to to Laura's house and they they've basically like they're friends and they've been having like the same thoughts for a while about everything that's going on. So what they end up choosing to do is um, uh, they, they're they're hatching basically an escape plan together. So while Remzo, have you watched escape plan yet? No. <laughs> No, I haven't. Okay. I'm going to check every week, or at least every time you say the word escape plan. Um, anyway, uh, 
the the cop Michael is driving home when suddenly we see the cop Ted. He rams his truck off the road, and what he's basically like, listen, heard you and the mayor have some ideas for the town. Figured I'd best be the first to tell you. He stepped down tonight. Didn't feel he was up to the task. But the judge doesn't want you to step down. Says the town needs some continuity. It would look bad losing the mayor and you. And I tried to argue because I clearly because I'd clearly be a better sheriff than you. But you know the judge. Anyway, just want to give you an update. So basically, they murdered him just to kind of prove a point, and then he wakes back up. But uh, anyway, uh, what you see is that the next day, uh, Laura has taken Tommy to the doctor, and Tommy's developing as an adult faster than his human body. His face even looks like an adult, doesn't it? Or or is this the art? That's what I can't figure out. If they do this intentionally to convey that they're like smarter, not smarter, but like more mature people in smaller bodies, or if, because sometimes they don't look like this. So now that you mentioned it earlier, I'm starting to think it is just an inconsistency of the artwork. So, so here's what's crazy because of how the town now works. Tommy is five years old in a baby's body. And Laura, yeah, Laura is just like freaking out and the doctor can't tell her to just deal with it. But he's basically like, listen, if he's ever going to live a real life, he's got to get out of here. So what ends up happening is Laura and uh, Michael basically agree that, you know what? We've got to we've got to leave, but they can't all leave. They, they've got to have something to kind of protect things. So what they basically realize is that the best chance for survival is for this guy, Michael, to go ahead and take Tommy out of here. So this is why it, it in the last issue we saw. I'm sorry, two issues ago, we saw um, uh, this guy who turns out to be Michael carrying Tommy off into the real world. This is basically the promise they make. So what ends up happening is that um, they basically agree that Michael is going to take Tommy into the real world so he could live a real life and not be trapped in this situation he's in as, you know, like a stuck Benjamin Button syndrome. It's really fucked up. So now we're back uh, to the real um uh, now, now we're back to our modern time where Laura's basically explaining all this shit to Daniel. And uh, he's just, you know, he, he's just like, I don't remember any of this. I mean, I grew up in New York with boring, regular parents, but I didn't even know I was adopted until a few years ago. And he's like, this isn't this isn't my home. I can't stay here. And she's like, I know, I know. And I've, I've always known that could be the case. I mean, this place is a prison, but you can't stay here. I get it. But what if I said, instead of going why out... why did she bring him there? Because this is a lot of trouble to go through and a lot of shit to put him through just to realize, oh yeah, he's going to have to leave to have any life out of here. Because she's the one that put this in motion, is she not? Something like that. But basically, yeah, what, 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 get, what, gets but even, what gets even worse is that uh, they, they walk back into her home and what you basically see is that she's going to go ahead and basically force some of the residents of the town to go ahead and... Um, you know, vote to end the, the Achilles law. So basically the town is like, listen, we, we want to, we want to live and die and be regular people. So we're, we plan on going ahead and, uh, you know, voting at the next town circle. I don't think they're going to be regular people. They just want to be able to open the town to the outside world essentially and not, and not have to kill people that stumble in. Yeah. So, so basically they're like, listen, this comes with risk. It's going to be really dangerous, especially if Ted and the sheriff and everyone, but we've, we've got to try. And at this point, you know, uh, Laura 
and uh, Daniel, they, they just embrace each other after having another conversation. And he's like, Laura, mom, seriously, I, I, I got to leave. And she's like, I know. Just let me hold you a little longer. And that brings us to the end of issue four. This is also mom could fucking hold him. Yeah, <laughs> this is the part that pisses me off about this book. And maybe not even in the way I'm supposed to get pissed off. Because it's really retarded that she did all this, put him aside just to bring him back into town, knowing the town that he couldn't just come in and say hi and leave. And now maybe there's more to the story, obviously, because we're only a couple of issues in. But that that's my, my gut reaction is that mom, mom was just being a bitch by being selfish and wanting to fucking hold her son 20 years later uh, when she should have just left well enough alone and let him live a real life and not have to deal with this creepy fucking town. Yeah, but... You know, things uh, things continue to get entangled. But for today, we're going to go ahead and end there. You can go ahead and pick up the remaining two issues, as well as the brand new volume, Volume 2, which just came out a few months ago, of Stillwater by Chip Zdarsky and artist Simon Perez. Uh, Mark, I'll, you know, I, I've talked about this enough in, in, in the public feed and over on Patreon. I want to hear your thoughts. Let's go ahead and jump into the ratings. Well, despite my rant about uh, about the mom here, and uh, you know, I, I will see where it goes because I do plan to keep reading this. Just add it to my fucking list. I don't know when I'm going to get through it all because I'm reading a couple different things right now. Some of them are for well, not some of them are for this podcast. Some of them are for bonus podcast for our patrons at patreon.com slash second print pod but i got a lot on my plate but i'm, I'm gonna find a way to squeeze this one in because i am enjoying it enough and that should tell you a lot because i don't really i don't really pick up that many new books and do deep dives on them because i just don't have the damn time because i'm already reading so much other stuff so i think that speaks for itself so let's assign some numbers to this uh, I, I like i said from the beginning i really do love how they've captured how both Chip Sadarsky and artist Ramon Perez have captured the vibe of, I really picture this more as like a really good mini series. Maybe like, um, we'll see how, how long the story goes and how much you know meat there is to dig in here. But it, they just, it's, it's an original concept, at least a, a fairly original concept. Maybe it's in some ways, it's kind of like Stephen King's under the dome, but without the dome, yeah. <laughs> no, but without a physical dome, but he is tr- similarly. Is tr- that, that's what a lot of people compared it to conceptually. Okay, well, yeah. So you're you're on the money. Yeah. So it's it's you know like everything else. There's there's derivatives off other things, but it is the original concept uh, in other ways in its own. So I am I am enjoying it. I'm enjoying the tone, enjoying the vibe. Uh, I think the art is pretty darn good, uh, and really more so is fitting to this story. You know, this might this art might not fit so well in a superhero book necessarily, but for this story, it does fit pretty well. I will say I was already thinking this a little bit, and since you did point it out, I think the the art is a little consistent inconsistent particularly with the faces of some of the characters uh it's more like i just happen to know who these characters are by the story and what they're saying sometimes than because their face is particularly distinct in any way uh so i can't give the art a perfect five and i i'm not gonna quite give chip sarsky and maybe it's the fault of only having read the first four issues of this but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not ready to go all the way home just yet i'm not ready to issue a perfect score here but i'm gonna get pretty close i'm gonna give the writing a 4.5 and the art a 4.5 for a nine, which is not too shabby. Uh, I'm I'm close, but you know, I, I'll 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 just jump into it. The artwork is what bothers me. The inconsistencies in the faces and the renderings of the characters, it really pulls back from what is genuinely good uh, scenery at certain points with how they lay it out. It really does make it feel cinematic in some ways, but that stuff just really kills it. I, I'm going to go ahead and give the art a three. Um, the story, mm-hmm. however, is uh, phenomenal. I can't 
really criticize at any point. I mean, as soon as I picked the series up, I was like, I got to keep doing this. And I, I did for the last year and a half. So I, I'm going to go ahead and say it's one of the freshest stories I've picked up in a while. There's a reason why Chip Zdarsky has been put on so many amazing books recently. He's one of the best up there right now with uh, Tom Taylor and Al Ewing. Uh, just really, really fantastic stuff. And Donnie Cates, obviously. Uh, he, he's in that pantheon of great writers right now. So I'm going to go ahead and give the uh, the writing a five for a total score of an eight out of ten. All right. Well, our biggest difference is in the art, which while maybe I went a little high, I don't know. But I again, I felt that the art generally fits the story really well whereas i don't know if i independently love the art so much but it just felt right it felt like the right combination the right vibe the only reason i didn't give the art even the higher score was because of of that those inconsistencies which you pointed out but i didn't they didn't take me out of the story so much that it, that i took it that i had felt the need to take it down a peg so at the end of the day a story that uh when you add it all up spc 17.5 that is Maybe it's not must read. It depends on where you want to cut it off. Maybe like an 18. If you're looking for a new book that's not in the superhero genre that takes you back to your favorite Stephen King style horror stories, we highly recommend it. Yeah. If you're a fan of this genre, for sure, then you absolutely must check this out. Or if you're just kind of bored with the kind of stuff you've been reading lately, the more standard superhero type stuff, then this would definitely be a good a good little book to change it up. And Luckily, well, there's a few gate. Well, I shouldn't be promoting the hoopla anymore now that we have the My Comic Shop. So why don't you tell people how they can purchase this book through My Comic Shop while supporting us, your favorite comic book nerds. We are officially mycomicshop.com affiliates. We're still adding some stuff to the website. I'm catching up on some previous episodes, but hopefully by the time you hear this, we're going to go ahead and have a special link in the show notes today when you go ahead and buy this copy or any other books over at mycomicshop.com after clicking on our link you go ahead and get great comics at a good price and you go ahead and support the show with a little kickback at the same time it's a win 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 three-way win triple win awesome win i like winning so that's winning is awesome indeed and we win each and every week when we get to experience the joy of reading comic books and doing so by building this amazing community that we've been building particularly for our patrons at patreon.com slash second print pod. We really have a tight knit crew that has a lot of fun chatting about stuff, whether it's in the discord, whether it's on the second print comics fan zone over on Facebook, we really have a blast. So for as little as five bucks, you too can join the fun, join the conversation. Well, folks, as always, remember if there's one thing you can do for us in the world, you can do this. You can read comics and change and the world. Indeed. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.